following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everybody. How are you feeling? Everybody on the top side? Life's not on top of you, you're on top of life. Is that good? It's halftime. It's Wednesday night, and we're in the house of God. What a great place to be. Amen? And it's a joy to see you tonight. It really, really is. It's a joy to see you. And, and uh, don't let the devil tell you any different. I love every one of you. I don't even know some of you, but because you walked in, I love you. When I lay eyes on people, I just fall in love with them. We love people at where we meet them, and then we want to take them where God wants them to get. I believe that the uh, first thing we got to do is, uh, is, what is the first thing we got to do? Know God. Second thing we have to do is find freedom. That's what I want to talk about a little bit, finding freedom. Then we need to find a purpose or develop a purpose, and then we have to make a difference. And I believe with all my heart that if we find God and we find freedom, we're on our way to a great, great place in God, a great place in God. This is the last Wednesday night of August. Can you believe that? Wow. That, that, that touches me because we're just four months away from my wife spending a lot of money on Christmas for our grandkids. <laughs> that's, not, that's not anything I fuss about. I'm just fussing to y'all because I just think it's funny to fuss in front of y'all. Good to have my wife here tonight. She's back in the house. She was here on Sunday. I thank God for that. I want to I share something with you before I start teaching. We're, we're concluding a series on grace here tonight and uh, we talked about grace the first Wednesday night, then we had Torrin Wells the second Wednesday night, then we talked about grace last Wednesday night, and we're going to conclude on grace tonight. But, but I told the third service this on Sunday, I didn't tell the first two services, and I want to share it with everybody. Uh, up in Mattoon, Illinois, one of my dear friends uh, from Bossier City, Louisiana, went up there to minister. He's a pastor that's been at Bossier City longer than I've been at this church, and he went up just to, pa- just to preach up there over the weekend. And there was a meth baby that was brought to church, a meth baby, a baby that was born to both parents who were meth addicts. And the baby had a hole in its heart and was blind. But you know, the Lord loves people. And it doesn't matter where you start, it, it matters where you finish. And uh, they, they prayed for that baby. And there was a doctor there that, that ran a stethoscope and said, there's no, there's no sound of a hole in the heart anymore. And the baby all of a sudden looked like it caught a hold of something. And Pastor Jerry Dean just started running this little toy in front of it. And that baby's eyes were following that toy everywhere it went immediately. I still believe in miracles. I still believe that God is a miracle. I believe we're a miracle. I believe that. And I believe the Lord can do great and mighty and noble things. If you've been on vacation, we welcome you home. Sunday is Labor Day. Pastor will be speaking. I love to preach on holidays. We're going to have a great, great time. If you're in town, get up on Sunday because it's mind over mattress. And come on to the house of God, 9 o'clock, 1030 and high noon. And to all the babies that we dedicated last Sunday, we congratulate the moms and dads for those beautiful kids in second service. Amen. Could you stand all over the house? If you're a guest here tonight, we welcome you. I won't be long, I promise. I'm not a long-winded preacher. 
I hope I'm a decent preacher. I tell people all the time, come listen to our music and then put up with me for about 25 or 30 minutes. But what a joy to be here and to be your pastor and to be pastor of a great, great church here in South Austin. And Patty and I never have gotten over the wonder of being called here to do a work of God 28 and a half years ago. And we're just so excited. It's such an honor. It's such an honor. It's such an honor. Now, I always like to start with something kind of cute, something kind of funny. And if it's not funny, just throw an egg at me, okay? So a man comes in the office one day and he's all happy. Comes in the next day, he's all happy. Comes in the third day, he's all happy. And somebody said, man, you're happy all the time. He said, do you ever wake up grouchy? He said, no, I let her sleep in every morning. Now, ladies, you know I've been on your team, but I had to tell that. That's a pretty good story. Turn to somebody beside you and say, I'm going to help the pastor tonight. And you may be seated. You're awesome people. I love you very, very much. Thanks to our prayer team and all the people that just work. Hey, Sunday, Sunday, we had a great, great attendance. We had 335 kids next door on Sunday. And that's from age 2 to the... Fifth grade through the fifth grade, that's beautiful. And the rest of them came in here. What a joy. Our children's ministry is just growing. You know why our children's ministry is growing? Because people are coming to church. They're bringing their kids. Four Wednesdays ago, I talked about when God speaks in an unknown tongue. And, and it was really when he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani on the cross. And it was interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we talked about the language of suffering. And how it has to be interpreted. You, some people don't understand the language of suffering. And we talked about that. And we talked about how God helps us in our suffering. Helps us in our down times. Then last week we talked about grace in an unlikely place. We talked about in Gerar where Isaac went. And it was a famine. And he's headed down to Egypt. And God said, no, stop right here. Don't go to Egypt. I want you to plant right here in the famine. And Isaac planted in the famine and in the first year reaped a hundredfold. What a joy. You know why? Because God wanted him to know that, that the country that you're in, Israel, and not Egypt, not sin, but the place that God blesses. When you, when you, when you plant there, no matter if it's a famine, I'm going to honor you in the blessed place that you stay even in a famine. So what a joy. We learned that last week. Now tonight, tonight. I'm going to speak on the subject, Dancing with Grace. <laughs> dancing with Grace. I admit, folks, that I'm fascinated with life being like a dance. I'm not talking about worldly dancing down at the twist and shout. <laughs> or even what they call praise dancing. I'm speaking of a man's sojourn from the cradle to the grave. Life seems to me like a dance, sometimes without tempo and sometimes it's disjointed, and at other times purposeful and graceful. The Christian life was meant to be without superfluous motion or wasted effort. It was meant to be gracious. It was meant to be redemptive. Years ago, right here in this church, in fact, we had not built this building, there was a young minister that attempting to step into ministry did nursing home and retirement center, center ministry. He told of how he danced with some of the residents there, the older people, assisting them in their walking and in their ballots. And one day, 
he went into this place right over here on Jones Road. And he ran across a lady named Grace. True story. And Grace was there and he was helping her walk down the hall to get her to the dinner table. And somebody was playing the piano and she wanted to know who was playing the piano and she liked the song. And as they both walked down the hallway, he said, you want to dance? She said, well, sure, you handsome little hunk you. I want to dance. (laughs) And this minister danced with Grace. And he said that the look on her face when we were dancing got to me. He said, for a moment I thought I wasn't in a nursing home. For a moment I was taken to another place. It's amazing what can happen when you dance with grace. It blessed him. His words reminded me of a scripture and a poem. The scripture is Zephaniah chapter 3. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He'll rejoice over you with singing. In the poem, the late British-American poet W.H. Auden said, I know nothing except what everyone knows. If there, when grace dances, I should dance. If you're there, when grace dances, you should dance. I want to define grace. Could someone please define grace for me? For so many years, we have labored under the simplistic definition of grace being God's unmerited favor. That's what we've always called it. Grace is most assuredly that. But it's like saying that the English language is made up of 26 letters of the alphabet. Grace has an endless vocabulary and great power. And from its first usage in Scripture in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, the Bible said, Noah found grace in the eyes or the sight of God. You can see the power of that statement. God let him build a boat, put all of his family on it, and saved him. And eight survived the flood. God is able to shine all of his goodness and mercy upon a certain individual at a certain time, in a certain place. So what is grace? I could give you the endless theological conjectures of this word, but such a definition would force me to discuss other words such as sin and perhaps justification and guilt and pardon and redemption, and substitution, and vicarious atonement, and so forth. And I discovered a definition that rings so true with me. It's found in a book called Amazing Grace, written by Kathleen Norris. In her book, she describes the grace shown to people at times when they didn't deserve anything, like Simon Peter at the fire when he denied the Lord, or Paul's persecution of the Christians, or Jacob's failures. She said that God could see in these men... A potential that none of them could see in themselves. And every time I get up to preach the gospel, I preach that way. I preach because I see potential in many of you that you do not see in yourself. Because I know who made you. And I realize that God doesn't make junk. He makes people after his own image and after his likeness. Come on, you need to clap your hands about that. You're not junk. You're not a oops. You're not a oh God. You are a child of God. She went on. This beautiful lady, Kathleen Norris, went on to mention a day in an airport terminal where she saw grace. And perhaps that's the best way to handle such a divine concept, to describe it rather than to define it. Kathleen saw a young couple waiting on a plane to arrive, and they had a baby in their arms, an infant. 
And the baby stared at people as they passed by that couple. And as soon as the baby locked eyes with someone, the baby would smile. And the other person could have been in a big hurry, could maybe have been troubled about something, could have been young or old, bored or happy, yet each got the same treatment. The baby smiled like as if the other person was her long lost friend. Oh, such is the power of grace. Grace is God's smile falling upon us no matter who we are. In God's smile, we begin to see who God is. In God's smile, we begin to believe what God sees, something of value in us. We begin to praise God, not because of our own faith, but because God has faith in us. Say amen to that. And then grace is the conviction that God believes in us. Everybody say it's God's smile falling upon us. It's the conviction that God believes in us. So grace is a God's smile. And grace is the conviction that God believes in us. Oh, I love those words. God tells us not to sit in the seat of the scornful because he doesn't sit there. He says not to be critical because God's not. He said don't try to find fault with your brother because you've got to get the beam out of your eye before you get the mold out of somebody else's. God's not a fault finder. He doesn't lie in wait hoping to trap you. He's not trying to catch you doing something wrong. I'm going to put a trilogy of things on the board right now. Number one, God knows you at your worst. That's his holiness. God believes in your best. That's his love. And God smiles on you. That's his grace. Does anybody feel God grinning on you right now? Come on, does anybody feel God grinning on you right now? There's nothing like the grace of God. In fact, the word grace appears 170 times in the Bible. And we find the concept is found throughout the entire Bible, both old and new. God's grace is abundant. Say it's abundant. Say it's amazing. Say it's sufficient. Romans 5 says, For if any man died by the trespass of one man, or if many... if for if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Grace is simply living in God's overflow. It's experiencing the overwhelming tide of God's goodness. When the Hubble telescope peered to what scientists believed to be the edges of the universe, when its long gaze reached to the edges of the universe, there were more worlds and more galaxies found than they could ever believe. And when a microscope peers to the smallest particle of matter, an atom, only to discover things called neutrinos and quarks, and God only knows what else. If a man can't find the end of these things, how can we expect to find the end of God's grace? I have been raised in churches that say if you walk out that door tonight, you'll never have another chance. I dare say that that man or that preacher is not used of God because God's grace will always be here till God comes and takes this church out of here. Somebody needs to rejoice tonight in the grace of Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to get happy. That grace still makes a difference in our lives. Mm. 
God is able to see the best future possible for all of us. The psalmist said, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Everybody say, God's grace is powerful. God wrote to Titus in the second chapter that his grace teaches us to say no to worldly passions. Grace, according to one man, is as real an energy as the energy of electricity. It is the energy of the divine affection rolling in pleasant and plenteousness toward the broken shores of human need. I love that. God's grace is available. Say it's available. Say it's abundant. It's efficient. And it's available. One of the reasons that some folks think Paul wrote the epistle to the Hebrews, there's always been a question about that, is because the last verse of Hebrews matches the last verse that he wrote to Timothy in the second book of Timothy. He said, grace be with you all, amen. Can I tell this congregation tonight in the middle of this message, grace be to all of you, amen. Can I tell you, get up in the morning, grace be to all of you, amen. Come on. Grace be to all of you, amen. You know what? We can't hardly get excited about this because it's such a smile from God, but I still get tickled when somebody smiles at me and I know it's God. Come on, clap your hands real big and say, I love the grace of Almighty God. The traditional greeting for Hebrews is one of peace. They say shalom. But the traditional greeting for Gentile and Jewish Christians was one of grace. Interestingly enough, the words Christ and grace are nearly identical in the Greek language. So when a person says grace be with you, it could easily be misunderstood that they would be saying Christ be with you all. Great grace was upon the early church. May God let that happen today. More than anything in this world, folks, as a pastor, I want people that are needing God when they walk in the doors of this church on a Sunday or a Wednesday night to feel that the grace of God is in this house, that somebody loves them right now, that God is working on their behalf right now, that this church is helping God to work on their behalf right now, that nobody's going to sit in the scorner seat, nobody's going to be a critic, everybody's going to say, you're welcome, the grace of God is here to help you. It doesn't matter what you came out of, it matters where you're headed. It's time to start dancing with grace. Zephaniah described God's grace. Zephaniah's name means God of darkness. <laughs> and as his name intimates, Zephaniah had an enviable, jo- an unenviable job, a tough task. His ministry was to pronounce judgment upon Judah. These old prophets, man, they preached hard. Jeremiah preached hard. However, God never paints a dark picture without leaving a light in the window. Zephaniah also encouraged people to seek God. There was still a time to turn to God. And the man whose name means God is darkness described a gracious God. In a single verse of our text that we read tonight, we see different elements of God's grace. We see His grace being abundant. We see His grace being powerful. And we see His grace being available. Say abundant. Say powerful. Say available. And this is a man that preached judgment to Judah, but he saw the grace of God being those three things. Let me read it again. The Lord your God is in your midst. He's available. The mighty one, he's powerful, will save. He is abundant. Amen. But there is one more characteristic of grace. Grace rejoices over its recipients. I'm fixing to preach now. Grace dances. (laughs) Y'all fix to see some moves from this pastor. (laughs) 
That's the electric slide. Get a life. The prophet portrays God as a father rejoicing over a small child, his joy over the child. The word in the Hebrew means to circle around with happiness or to dance around. Wow. Remember when you tried to teach your child to walk? Brad, would you come and be my child just a minute? I love this. I love this son-in-law. And let's act like you're a little feller. No, 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 no. <laughs> grab my fingers. Come on, grab my fingers. You remember this, mom and dad? Come on. You teach them how to walk? Come on. Come on. And you're going backwards, and that child's coming forward, and you don't want a coffee table to hit your back of your feet. You don't want to fall into a chair because this child will fall. And the joy that that child sees and feels about you because you're teaching him or her something that's very valuable. But the joy that child feels is only minimized by the joy that the parent feels. The child has no idea what is in his parent's heart as he dances around with the child. And how much more, that's the question Jesus often asks, how much more will your heavenly Father joy over us? Do you think he wants to push you down? No. Do you think he wants to do away with you? No. He says, get up. Come on. Let's do this. Come on. Come on. We can do this. Come on. Come on. We can do this. Come on. We can walk. We can make it happen. We can go to heaven. Come on, son. That's the God that I'm preaching about. Grace knows how to dance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, I'm feeling something up here. Everybody say, grace dances. But if grace dances, grace seeks a partner. Point number two, grace got to have a partner. See, faith needs an object. Have faith in God. That's the object of our faith. But grace needs a subject. Noah found grace in God's sight. 2 Corinthians 9 said, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always have an all-sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God wants His grace to flow towards you. Grace desires a partner. And to dance with grace, you like Noah must find grace. I used to play hide-and-seek with my kids. I was a, I was a deal playing hide-and-seek. Now, I wasn't a serious hide-and-seek player. I didn't slap on some camo and paint and gear and put arrows on me and gun over my shoulder and go out and hide in the wilderness where they couldn't find me. Wasn't that kind of hide-and-seek. No, I hid where my kids could find me. I wanted to be found. I wanted to run from them laughing. I wanted to hear their shouts of joy when they caught me. And I wanted to tickle them and treasure those moments because grace wants to be found. Grace is not hiding out in the woods somewhere. Grace is walking these carpeted aisles here tonight saying, anybody need a little dance partner? Anybody want to dance with me? You're tired of the hell putting you down and telling you you can't make it, you can't do it. I'm telling you, somebody want to dance with Grace tonight? I'm in the house. 
I'll dance with you. Dancing with grace. Don't look in religiosity. You won't find God's grace there. Don't look in doctrines and creeds of men. Only a trace of grace is there. But find grace where grace has always been found. Humble yourself before God. James 4 said, resist God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God can be found when you admit your need. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. To dance with grace, you must learn to follow. Okay, I admit it. I know zero about dancing. My kids have laughed at me all my life about my dance moves. I have what is called Baptist feet. I recognize that doesn't surprise anyone in this house. So to learn more about dancing, I, I Googled it. I typed the internet search engine these words, how to dance with grace. And several items came back to were most prevalent. The first involved leading and following techniques. And the second was learning to follow the music. So I had to learn. I have to learn how to follow and how to lead. And second, I have to learn how to follow the music. Let's get this one thing straight. Grace must always be in the lead in your life. It's always. Sometimes we frustrate God's grace by insisting upon leading. Galatians 2 and 21, Paul said, I choose not to frustrate the grace of God. But if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. I will tell you, we cannot lead grace. Grace has got to lead us. We've got to follow after. And when you take the lead, you're, you're messing up in your life. You don't take grace where you want to go. Grace takes you where he wants you to go. Because when you take grace where you want to go, it becomes lasciviousness. It becomes lustful. And you don't need that in your life. You need the grace of God to say, here's where we need to go. And we're going to go there today. We're going to do right. Come on, clap your hands to that. That's good stuff. I'm not far from finishing. We try to show off sometime what we know, how good we are, how talented we are. Ephesians chapter 2, grace won't tolerate the spotlight being upon us. We're to show forth the marvelous works of His grace. It's after you, grace. We'll follow you, grace. Surprisingly enough, this even has a theological name. It's called prevenient grace. The grace that goes before, the grace that makes a way, the grace that fights our battle. To dance with grace, you must become like grace. And a dance with grace should change you. God's grace teaches us to be gracious. Jesus Christ, John 1 and 14, became full of grace and truth. Can I tell you, the only thing that really has truth in it is grace. Moses brought the law but it didn't say law and truth but grace came with truth if you want to get something in your life that'll make you work like never before and lead you where you need to go start dancing with grace in your life start dancing with grace in your life oh you want a boogie <laughs> oh you want a slide come on you need to start dancing with grace Some of y'all are going to go home and try some of my moves and you're going to hurt yourself. 
In the story of the prodigal son, you recall that when the son returned home, the father rejoiced over him. That's grace. Although that's the end of Jesus' parable, that's not the end of the story. For that prodigal son grew up and one day perhaps he too became a father. And he would never forget his being the object of his father's grace. He would learn to show grace like he was given grace. Can I preach right now? Some of you that didn't even think you had a chance to be in God's house. You thought you were the devil's property for the rest of your life. But you're here tonight. Not by your own works. But by the grace of God. And when you grow up from a pup to a grown being, you need to share the grace that you got in your life. Don't judge somebody else that's coming out of the world that you came out of. Let them have a chance like you had a chance. Let them find grace like you found grace. Because everybody needs a chance of grace. Come on, clap your hands. That's good stuff right there. I... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grace, 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 grace. Everybody say grace dances. Grace, dances. grace seeks a partner. And the third point, and I close, except grace, except grace is offered to dance. Let grace reach you tonight. Let grace reach you tonight. When I lost my, my family in 1981, I, I came home from the cemetery and went to my room and laid down and I heard a voice say, my grace is sufficient. And I thought I was hearing things, and I knew I'd read that somewhere. I was just a young preacher at the time. But I knew I'd read it. And I got up, and my Bible was on the dresser. And I went and opened it up, and it was 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. There it was. God said, my grace is sufficient. But here's what's beautiful. It was red-letter addition to the Apostle Paul. And when God speaks in red-letter, it's not just for that person. It's for me, too. Because Jesus' words are to me just like they were to the apostles. And when I read, my grace is sufficient. It started me on a journey of healing. It started me on a journey of comeback that I thought I would never have. I thought I would never preach again. I thought I would never want to preach again. But two Sundays later, I was in the house of God talking about the grace of God. I'm telling you, I don't care how low you get. I don't care how bad it gets in your life. Grace is going to dance, and Grace is looking for a partner, and you need to join up with Grace and start dancing and understand that Grace will lead you home. Amen? That's the joy of what I'm preaching about tonight. Brother Randy, it's good to have you home. Isn't it good to have Randy and Sherry back home? Come on up here, Brother Randy. I love you. Came home to a hot house, didn't you? Were you growing tomatoes in that house or okra in that hot house? I'm teasing. I'm teasing. You didn't get it. Their air conditioner was broke. So they may be, maybe spend the night with us tonight. Y'all spend the night with us tonight? All right, all right. Your wife don't know that and my wife don't know that, but we've made plans, haven't we? I'm not looking over there. What's she thinking? I read a story of a man 
who made a living by panhandling on the streets of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And this man testified later of what happened to him during a low moment of his life. One day he said, I touched the shoulder of a man and I said, hey, mister, can you give me a dime for a cup of coffee? And the man turned around and as soon as I saw his face, I was shocked to see that it was my own father. I said, dad, do you know me? And throwing his arms around me with tears in his eyes, he said, Wow, son, at last I have found you. You want a dime? Son, everything I have is yours. It's yours. Reflecting on that instant, the man said, Think of it. I was a tramp. I stood begging my own father for ten cents. For 18 years, he had been looking for me to give me all that he had. I hope you had a good dad growing up and you can relate to this. I did. I had a great dad. But whether you did or not, your heavenly father owns it all. And he wants to give it all to you. He sees you across life's dance floor right now. And he is attempting to lock eyes with you. Look at him. Watch how he smiles. Let grace reach you tonight. Let grace draw you to the dance floor. Don't let the enemy convince you that you're unlovely and unworthy. Weren't we all? Weren't we all in the bondage of sin? Weren't we all paupers? However, we are now rich by the grace of God. Accept that God loves you. As Alden said, if there, when grace dances, I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance. I look at the faces of people I know something about, and I see you service after service. And God only knows how much I enjoy preparing for you and preaching to you. And what I know tells me that you have suffered all many of things. We deserve to be in a pig pen. We deserve to be judged. But one day... God locked his eyes on us and he smiled and he said, you want to dance with me? And we took him, we took his fingers and we started walking with him. And you extended your hand and began dancing with grace and it made all the difference. I want to tell you a story in closing tonight and then I'm done. I was looking online for some things this week, just kind of studying and doing my preparation. And I came across the story of a man who was a preacher's son backslid and walked away from God and walked away from the church and his family continued to go and this man was an artist he painted some great pictures and one Easter his son was in an Easter pageant at the church and when I looked at the pictures it must have been a real nice church because it looked like a great Easter pageant and he went to see his son perform his son was a an angel that had karate skills. That's cute, isn't it? And he kicked the enemies. He, ah, <laughs> I can't do that either. Oh, I'll just pull something. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Jesus came out on the stage. And he had never 
seen a smiling Jesus. And it captured him. So he started taking a video film of this Easter drama, his little son, the ninja angel. And Jesus, the smiling Jesus. And he went home and he painted the picture. And he turned his life back to God because he said, all of a sudden I realized Jesus wasn't frowning at us. He wasn't looking down at us. He wasn't judging us for our mistakes. He was saying, come on, give me your hands. Let's dance. Come on, let's dance. And so in closing tonight, I want to throw the picture up that the man painted. I want to put some things in perspective. The children dancing. There's Jesus. Look at this little girl in the blue dress right here. Her feet are completely off the ground. She's having a great time. Look over in the far right corner. There's a, there's a crutch. Somebody got healed. Look over here on the left. There's some people that don't really want to be in the dance. And look over here on the right. There's some people that can't wait to get in the program with the kids. But look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He's smiling. He's happy. Because somebody took him by the hand. And said, I love dancing with your grace. And I want this church to leave here tonight believing that that's the kind of Jesus that I preach about every Sunday. That's the kind of Savior. That's the kind of Savior that wants to be with you. Not some judgmental Savior looking down on you, wanting to knock you down. But somebody that says, if you just take my hand, we'll dance. Come on, church, clap your hands. We'll dance. We'll dance together. I want to be like the little girl in the blue dress. I want my feet to come off the ground. I want to get excited about the dance of grace. Because grace is going to dance. Grace needs a partner. Would somebody in this house let grace lead your life? And not try to take grace where you want to take grace, but let grace take you where you need to go. Stand to your feet all over the house. You've been the greatest audience in a long time tonight. Thank you. Clap your hands real big for the word. And thank you. Thank you. Well, it's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
pray for the peace of God and the grace of God on this house. May the peace of God rest and reside on this church tonight. May they walk home understanding, God, that it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's by your Spirit. It's by your Spirit. And may we understand, God, that we can't save ourselves, but it's by the grace of God that we stand here tonight. And I thank you for it. I honor you. of this world thank you Lord nobody can do us like you we honor you tonight we honor you tonight and yes Lord I'm going to dance with you I'm going to dance with you I'm going to dance all the way to glory with you because there's nothing like your grace there's nothing like your grace in Jesus name wonder somebody could say hallelujah. I wonder if somebody could say praise the Lord. I wonder if anybody could say thank you, Jesus, for your grace, for your abundant grace, your available grace, your prevenient grace. In Jesus' name, I love you. Bring us back on Sunday, Lord. Bring us back on Sunday. Abound and abide in this house in Jesus' name. If anybody tells you different, they're lying. I love the fire out of you. Have a great night, have a great week, and I'll see you Sunday. It's Labor Day.